You're listening to the Limitless Career Podcast, the show where you hear the how, why, and what of creating limitless careers with me, Just Jazz. I'm a multi-passionate, wildly ambitious lover of tea and r and I'm also on a mission to guide more high achievers to the careers and lives they deeply desire through coaching. Yeah, you heard me, desire. No shame or secrets about it. Here, we boldly embrace ambition by owning, being, and doing more in our careers. And in each episode, we break down the barriers to creating something that will make you and everyone you know step back in awe while keeping it simple. So what are you waiting for? Let's dive into the episode. Welcome to this week's episode of the Limitless Career Podcast. I am so, so, so excited to have our special guest here today, Yasmina Headley. Hi, Yasmina, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. It's great to be here with you. How are you, Jazz? I'm very, very well. Um, you all won't be able to see it or feel it, but we are experiencing the British heat wave today. So we're both hoping to get out in the sunshine at some point after recording this conversation. But let's dive straight in. Can you just introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, I am Yasmina Headley. I, among other things, am a DEI consultant on one side of my work. I do training, facilitation, some consultancy. And then on the other side of my my work, I have a private coaching and hypnotherapy practice. So I am a clinical hypnotherapist, a rapid transformational therapist, and I specialize in helping people break the patterns that are kind of running their life whether that's things like low confidence, imposter syndrome, self-sabotage, anything that's really keeping them stuck and preventing them moving on. Mm. Huge. I remember when I first met, so for context, Yasmina and I met because we're both hustle crew consultants doing DNI work. And I remember when um, you were introduced and I was like, oh my gosh, she's got so many different superpowers like under the, the umbrella of your career. And anyone who's listened to this podcast for any amount of time knows that I love sitting down with multi-passionate folks, with folks who have various skills. My belief when it comes to career is that it is us monetizing our skills. So whether that looks like the neater container of an employed role, whether that looks like freelance career, whether that looks multi-passionate, whether that looks like having a certain set of skills in different packages or different modalities, like that's always really interesting to me. So I'd love for you to just take a moment. We've got plenty of time. (laughs) Just take us through the journey of how you came to having those two sides to your career and doing this type of work, really supporting people. That's what it sounds like kind of unifies both sides supporting and helping people transform yeah most definitely um I started off my career actually working at the home office of all places I worked in drug policy and alcohol policy and my first degree was in politics and international relations so it was kind of the natural progression from there When I was there, everyone was sent on a three-day coaching experience and you had really hardened civil servants who were saying, why do we have to go on this? This, you know, we've done so much training, what's the point? But everyone came back from it feeling completely different. Transformed is a word that's used a lot right now, but that's how I would describe it. And during the training, we learned about mindset, NLP. And for me, it was just mind-blowing. I'd never come across these concepts. It was right at the start of my 
career and I really fell in love with coaching I went to a coaching open day to do to find out about qualifying but actually at the time I just thought I'm 22 I look like I'm 12 no one's going to take me seriously and I just went down a very traditional career path so I built my career in the education and charity sectors but often found myself the only in the room and that came with frustrations that came with all the stuff that comes with that, all of the ups and downs and challenges around that. So this, in terms of the DNI side of my work, that's always been a passion. It's always been important for me to use my voice, use my platforms to challenge, challenge, try and affect positive change. And then on the other side, that is very much about supporting individuals. It's it's the two sides. It's marrying the individual with the, the wider structures we exist within kind of like you can do so much healing on yourself but if you're living within a broken environment how far are you really going to get um I got to a point in my career where I had a multi-million pound budget big teams and it was everything I thought I wanted but I was so unhappy that's when my own imposter syndrome hit me I went from being super confident super fearless going after what I want to really feeling like I didn't belong, I wasn't good enough in that role, that I was going to be exposed as not really being, you know, qualified enough or whatever. So that's a big part of my story that informs the work I do, particularly around imposter syndrome now. And it was then that I decided to retrain to become a coach initially and then go down the hypnotherapy path to help people go a bit deeper. I didn't I actually initially started training to become a couples therapist, but decided that actually I prefer the more goal-oriented nature of coaching. And then hypnotherapy allows for that kind of healing the past without it being a long intervention. So yeah, all of that is is kind of what brought me to where I am now. Yeah. So... All of that curiosity, really trying things out, seeing what works for you. And like one of those moments, like you mentioned, was trying out couples therapy and then being like, actually, maybe no, it's coaching. What was that decision like for you? Yeah, so I had so many points in my career where I became frustrated. And the two options I always went back to were either becoming a therapist or becoming a coach. I think starting that training journey and just realizing, you know, what, this is amazing. There's so much knowledge I gained from it that still informs my work now. But for me, on a personal level, I'm very solutions oriented and I didn't personally want to be in therapy for the years. And the modality I was doing was a much longer term form of therapy. So for me, it was about actually, you know, what? I want to focus on the solutions. I want to focus on the way forward. I want to help people really connect with their inner greatness, all, all of that good stuff that comes from coaching. And so for me, it just really reflected my personality better and also my preferences. And there's room for all these different things. There's different, you know, different modalities suit people at different times. But I think as a, as a, your own career or as a practitioner, it's so important to lean into the things that actually resonate with you. Otherwise, essentially, you're taking through people through a process that you might not engage with yourself. And I think, well, it was a good, a good development thing for me as well because. 
I have so much respect for people who say, you know what, actually, I've signed up for this three-year degree. I'm three months in and this isn't for me. Let me switch <laughs> tracks. Or, you know, I've trained all these years to become an accountant and actually I don't like it. Let me move on. We can tie all of these ideas of success and failure into our ability to endure, you know, endure a career we don't like, endure whether it's friendships, relationships, our ability to keep going, when actually sometimes you just have to close the door and open the door that is leading you to ultimately where you want to be. Yeah. Oh my gosh, 100%. You got, yeah. I almost wanted to interrupt you and go snap because that, that was me. I started down a pathway of becoming a surveyor because I was in this mindset of, well, if I'm going to leave my undergrad career of hospitality and go into do this property thing which was going well. Like I was climbing the ladder quite successfully, but my mind was like, well, you need to have a qualification to be taken seriously. You need to like, I literally sat at my desk and thought property, who's at the top of that tree? What's at the top of that glass ceiling? And I was like, surveyors, ooh, let me do that. And at that time I enjoyed it. Like I have no regrets in that decision, but in order for me to then retrain as a surveyor, I had to then put myself through a degree. But the reality was what ended up happening is by the time I got to the point where I was meant to start a dissertation, I'd left the industry. I, you know, I'd had those conversations with folks who were qualified surveyors and existing in the industry and said, like, what's your day to day like? What do you enjoy? Like, how much do you get paid? And none of it was exciting. Also, none of it was very different to what I was already doing as an assistant commercial surveyor. So I was like, mm, why am I doing this? Um, and I remember going into my first tech role, which was a prop tech company, and being honest with them and saying, look, I'm doing this remote degree, um, which they were supportive of. I was really trying my best with it. And then it got to a point where I was like, why am I doing this? I don't ever, I'm never going to, even if this tech thing doesn't work out, I'm not going to go back to being a surveyor. Let me stop it. And I, and I reached out to faculty and I said, what happens if I stop right now? And they were just like, then you leave with a postgraduate certificate. But if you really wanted to, you know, just do the dissertation, I was like, my head, I was not about to do anybody's dissertation just to say that I have a master's in real estate. <laughs> I was like, I will walk away with this postgraduate certificate that I have paid for out of pocket. Thank you. I didn't take out any loans for it. It was, you know, I was just watching a big chunk of my salary just slide on over to that university. Meanwhile, I'm building a thriving career in tech that doesn't really care about it. Or they stopped caring about it at the point that I was already at. You know, it's kind of like the thing that I always say to young people. Where I was like, each exam is just to get you to the next exam. Once you get to that place, they actually don't care about what you just studied. Unfortunately, but this is the reality of it. They loved that I had not only the experience in property and I was, stu I was you know, I had the academic approach to property. That was wonderful. But beyond that, was I using anything that I'd learned? No. No, 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 I wasn't. Um, and that was one of the best decisions I ever made because it allowed me to focus full force on this tech thing. I think also as I launched my business, one of the things I think if I could go back in time and tell my younger self is that I actually love learning. So I'm always going to be learning. And I think that's another thing that really appealed to me about coaching. And, you know, and when I think about your journey and your experience and the modalities that you work with, I just see like you're learning stuff and putting it into practice. Like at the moment, I've got two coaching, two life coaching certifications. The first one was very introductory. It was great. 
I did another one. People were like, why did you do another one? Why? Because it had a ton of positive psychology and, you know, transactional analysis. And it had like, it had other modalities that I hadn't thought of. And I wanted to be inspired and I wanted to try out and experiment. And then again, as we speak, I'm studying a course on embodiment. And that one's even interesting because, you know, I'm buddied up with somebody who's a um, sports physiotherapist. And we're talking about emotion getting trapped in the body and getting people back into their senses. And I'm like, if I knew that I was always going to be learning anyway, it would have taken so much pressure off of the very traditional degree. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you are speaking to my soul. Honestly, there's there's so much in there. I, I completely agree. The love of learning, that's something that, you know, we learn from our everyday experiences, the people around us, when you're coaching, it's amazing how, you know, sometimes, well, actually one of the things, going back to your early question that really drew me to coaching as well, is the principle that we are equals. I'm the expert in what I do, you're the expert in your life, everything you do, and we're kind of on this journey together. It's not me being the, you know, the professional and you're my patient, which implies you're broken in some way. We're on this journey together. And I really love that because we are all the experts in our own lives. We all have that inner wisdom that we just need to tap into. But everything you said, I really, really relate to because that learning, any anyone in my life who knows me well knows, if I mm. ever say this is the last course I'm doing, I'm completely lying. <laughs> You're lying to everyone. They know this. <laughs> everyone. Oh yeah, I stays in a course. I stays learning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's always something. Um, and it's always really interesting because I think it's, um, you know, like I describe it, it's almost like superpowers. And not to say that a course or a certificate or anything gives you a superpower but that's the only way that I can describe how it feels to learn something and be able to implement it in a way that transforms my life or someone else right when we sit down like I love watching Marvel films love watching action films it it gives you that moment when the superhero has the power and doesn't know or they have the power and they need to use it in a different way or to another level. Now you insert whichever superhero that you want to for that, right? Um, but there's something that then inherently is so powerful about us being able to show up in that way and help each other unlock stuff, help ourselves unlock stuff, figure stuff out, get that clarity, you know, move out of our own way in terms of like overcoming sabotage, self-sabotage and imposter syndrome and all of those things. Because what happens inherently when we put ourselves in those spaces, it then gives us evidence to the fact of what you said, which is that we are experts in our own lives. We start to see it was this way. I wanted it to be different. I applied myself and it shifted. Wow. Like that's, that's what it's like for me, that's what it's about at the end of the day is reminding people of that. Cause I feel like, I feel like we have it when we're like four years old, you know, or even younger. Don't get me wrong. Like my one year old niece knows what she's doing when she's making noise. She knows everybody in the room is like, what's wrong with her? Is she fed? Is she hungry? Da, da, da. She knows the impact she's got on her atmosphere and the energy. She knows she runs things. We grow up and we forget that. And then we go, oh, I don't know what to do with my life. And everything's happening to me. And, you know, it's everyone else's problem. And I'm just stuck and there's nothing I can do. And I'm being dramatic about it because 
let's be real, that's that's how it is in our minds. We've all been there, regardless of whether you're you're listening to us and you're a coach or a therapist or anything like that. You've all we've all had that conversation with a friend where we kind of want to shake them and go, I'm hearing all of this, but I'm not hearing you being ready to change anything. Is is just you just want me to listen to you moan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, can I just say, like yeah. I I know that wasn't your version of dramatic, because wow, that was that was very calm. <laughs> composed dramatic. I got levels to this. Composed thing. drama. <laughs> <laughs> composed drama yeah it's um that sense of being out of control being powerless can really people in a bind and even that it's the understanding that oh I've been doing this thing and that's why this is happening okay Mm. it's only taken me 30 35 45 whatever the case might be years to realize it but even understanding that can give you so much power that actually, you know, it's it's like one of my pet peeves, and I'm sorry if this offends anyone, is those memes on social media that say things like, you know, the people with the biggest hearts get hurt the most. I'm like, no, oh, gosh. What no, we doing? What no. we're doing here? Come Come, on. I don't want to when we when I see those memes, I think are we would would you say that to your ten year old cousin? I wouldn't. I wonder about some so people. So why am I saying it to my my big adult self and believing it to be true? I think that's the thing. We don't realise how much when things like that get put out that they get absorbed as truth. And then again, like you said, people hit 40, 50, and then they're just like, oh my gosh, I picked up and internalised this thing so many years ago and I didn't realise I had. I thought I was just liking a meme. I thought I was just liking a thing. But it reinforced a belief that I had that was not serving me. Yeah, yeah. And as long as you hold on to that, you're not addressing. Maybe you have poor boundaries. Maybe you feel confrontation. Maybe you're a people pleaser. You know, again, it's kind of that powerlessness. Like, people are just mean to me and, you know, I don't have any say in what happens to me or, you know, the world around me, my my own kind of experience of the world when actually we do have a lot more power than than sometimes we like to recognize because that can be scary in itself you know realize that actually I am powerful I can affect my life we all have those moments where we feel like oh it's so hard I want to be saved I can't do this you know and it's the difference between kind of having that moment feeling what you're feeling and then moving on from it and being being stuck there yeah definitely I think one of the things that we connected about offline when we look at career journeys and some of the things that we support people work through include those moments where you are the only you're the token you're the only diverse person on the team or you're misunderstood for any other reason right you're othered in some other way and really getting to grips with how those experiences can really affect us whether they are undercover, covert operations, right? Or whether they are out and out, straight up negative discrimination, bullying, racism, sexism, homophobia in our places of work. Um, and like, I've had negative workplace experiences and I've lifted that good old baggage and I thought, oh yeah, I was, I was good, I'm fine until something came up against it in a in another job where I realized oh my gosh 
I've got some work to do here because even though I know that I'm safe, I'm not behaving as though I know that I'm safe. I'm not I'm not communicating with people in a way that I know that I am safe. My defences are all the way up. How can I get to grips with that so that I don't let a past experience stop me from feeling the safety or hashtag soft life of my new experience or a future experience, right? And I'm saying this as a black woman, right? You hurt me, those guards go up. I'm a very open, every fairy Disney princess type of chick when you meet me. It's nice. It's great. You rub me the wrong way, my defenses will go up and then they will stay up. And then that turns me into a harder version of me. And when I'm a harder version of me, I'm less creative. I'm less generous. I'm less open. I'm less vulnerable. You you don't, you don't get me, right? We like to talk about bringing your full self to work. I ain't never going to do that if you haven't told me it's safe to do that, right? And I don't think I'm unique in that part of it. But these were some things that I had to learn about myself because what I was doing was not seeing how safe it could be, not seeing how good it could be, not seeing how I, and I say this very carefully, but how I could play a part in my own inclusion. This is not me saying that if you are in a screwed up workplace, that is now your responsibility to fix it and teach people how to treat people properly. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying throw yourself in front of the bus like that. But what I'm saying is check in on it. This podcast is brought to you by Just Jazz Private Coaching, the six-month one-to-one experience for high achievers to carve their unique and limitless careers free from overwhelm and underwhelm. With challenging and curious coaching, we get knee-deep in all the things getting in the way of you having a hell yeah career instead of a career that feels meh. If this sounds great to you, book a call today at justjazz.co forward slash coaching where we will map out the what and how of working together. So I had to take a moment to take stock to really understand where I wasn't being open to the inclusion that was there for me, the belonging that was available in my new environment, because I was still in many ways stuck in the negative experience. And I'd taken some parts of that to be true, right? It's like it's like when you take a paint colour and you put it everywhere. <laughs> like watching kids when they're painting and they mix and they make that colour and it's like it was a sun, moon and stars and it had grass and all of a sudden it's just brown. They're just like, I'm going to go with the brown and I'm just going to cover everything in the brown. That's what <laughs> that's what I was doing. And I hadn't realised it, right? And I had to spend time with myself to unravel that. Um, is that something like, is it something that you've either experienced yourself or something that you see in your clients where we have these, I'm going to call them traumatic experiences just from the perspective that in my non-expert view on trauma, I'm not trauma informed, but if this thing is still staying with me, I'm going to refer it in my own life as a trauma because it's 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 carrying with me and affecting things going forward. What have you seen of that? Yeah, it's definitely something I've experienced myself. And you know, in a work context, I always say if if we were talking about a relationship, you wouldn't leave a relationship that's been a significant part of your life on a Friday a brand new one on the Monday and expect to just be happy Larry fine you know no no issues being taken forward 
And I know for me, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in the workplace where it's just kind of, okay, this isn't good, but let's just keep it moving. And sometimes it's the invisible barriers. It's it's the subconscious subconscious behaviours or the subconscious influences on our behaviour. You know, this bad thing has happened. I'm going to react in this way to protect myself. And we're not even necessarily thinking this at the conscious level, but it's what's happening in our behaviours. And then we do wonder why. Why is it that I can't connect with people at work? Why is it that, you know certain things just aren't happening to me. And of course, there can be very real reasons for that outside of yourself, you know, whether it's the discrimination, the microaggressions, all those common experiences we have. Or there is also the kind of inner part, the internal stuff that's going on with you. For me, one of my first experiences really started before, before work, it was at university. It was very homogenous in that the majority of people on my course at the university were middle class and white was a very different world to where I'd come from and on the first day someone uh, got my name wrong and it was just like you know just those little things those kind of small ways that you can start to feel excluded you already don't really you don't look like anyone you're not talking the same way as anyone and then on top of that there's little things like that and I treated uni like a job. You know, I went to my classes, I came back home, got on with the rest of my life. And I really did treat it like a job. And it's only now, so many years down the line, I can look back and think, wow, you know, I have some friends from uni who, you know, we're still friends and I graduated I'm trying to work out when I graduated. Graduated in 2009. So, you know, still friends after all these years. But at the same time, I can see how there was so much potential to kind of network, to take advantage of certain opportunities that I just didn't because I was like, well, you know what? I don't feel like I belong here, so let me go where I do belong. On the one hand, I'm here for that pragmatism. I'm not here to try and force myself to fit in spaces where I don't feel safe, don't feel comfortable. But at the same time, when I kind of it's like that internal alarm system when it's so high, when it's so sensitive, are we taking ourselves out of situations where actually maybe I'm here for a reason? Maybe I do deserve to be here. Maybe these people are the ones who need to change some of their attitudes, some of their views, or maybe I'm overreacting to certain things. But I think it's the very nature of microaggressions and some of these experiences or the gaslighting that goes on where we do question ourselves, we do question what is actually happening here. And, you know, for me, I don't believe that we have to bring our whole self to work because everyone wants to, but I believe we need spaces where we can bring our whole self to wherever that might be. Um, but yeah, I've I've had lots of workplace experiences that it's only really over the last two years I've started to process, wow, that was a big deal. And actually, these reactions I have that I've always thought are just part of my personality, actually there is a deeper reason for it. And just I hadn't I hadn't realized before because when you're in the thick of situations, when you're kind of in survival mode and you're just trying to live your life you don't always have that opportunity to stop and process and I think everyone should have access to healing whether that's traditional therapy whether it's art therapy whether it's hypnotherapy everyone should have access to healing but at the moment it definitely feels like a real privilege to be able even to just hit the pause button even to just say I'm gonna take a minute for myself and that's 
it's you know we all know what a what a crisis there is around mental health at the moment and how much pressure there is on the systems and just just how people are collectively struggling yeah yeah it's huge and I I love what you said that we you know we don't have to bring our whole selves to work it's not that was a big oh it was a big and obviously it's like this when you look back on in hindsight but it's almost it was a very big blanket trendy thing to say for a very long time just like things like culture fit where they were well-intentioned but quite obtuse Mm -hmm. right lean in was another example okay lean in are you sure all right (laughs) fine you know and we don't need to go into it on this episode because there's many well-researched articles reports research to the contrary as well as the authors and creators of these phrases and trends um really looking at it with the lens that it should have but I think there is something to be said about doing that and I and I think what we're both agreeing on here is if you are going to be defensive if your defenses are up we want you to be conscious of that because then that's from an empowered place as opposed to something subconscious that you're not even aware of that's happening. We all know fight, flight, you know, freeze, all of all of those things. But if we're talking about you having your defences up for the first six months in a new job, we don't want that for you, <laughs> right? We like, because also as well, okay, we need to dig a little deeper there because if your defence, it's exhausting having your defences up, let's be real. It's ex- and what I'm really saying here is it's exhausting not being in an environment that's safe. That's the reality, right? Even from a physical point of view, what has to happen for you to keep assessing the risks of everything that you say and do and don't do, right? The invitations you accept and you don't accept. Walking on those eggshells is exhausting emotionally, physically and spiritually. So we just want to make sure that those eggshells aren't something that you've projected there. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is as well, it's it's being really kind to yourself because I hope I didn't come across as flippant earlier talking about kind of, you know, that sense of powerlessness because all of that comes from somewhere. And, you know, it's really understanding that actually, you know, some things aren't that deep, you know, sometimes there isn't a deeper meaning, but for a lot of things there is. And it's really understanding that you are how you are for a reason. That doesn't mean you have to be that way forever it doesn't mean that it's good or bad or whatever you know even the even if you take a quality like kindness you know I think most people would say kindness is a good thing but if you are kind to the extent that you give away your last penny you don't pay your bills you're now living on the streets your kindness is a problem you know anything done to excess is a problem so even with defensiveness using that as an example you know have some defenses up absolutely but you know it's one of my mentors talks about the difference between boundaries, having boundaries and having walls. You know, where where do you kind of say, OK, this isn't OK for me. This is pushing me too far. Or do you just block everything out? Do you have a concrete wall in front of you where you can't meaningfully co- connect, where you can't fully engage, where you can't 
be your best self because I do believe that most the vast vast majority of people want to go to work and do a good job even if that means leaving at 4 59 p.m on the dot and not taking it over that's fine that's absolutely fine even if it means working one day a week but we get so much of our um sense of significance our worth can come from the work we do and I'm not here to say attach your worth to things outside of yourself because that's a whole other conversation Mm -hmm. but the reality is we do get a lot of our sense of worth from the contribution we make in the world and some of that can be family it isn't all work but ultimately you don't want to go to work and feel like oh I've got so much to offer I'm holding this back on the flip side I hope I'm not contradicting myself but on the flip side if you are in that toxic space then sometimes that's what you got to do to survive yeah oh 100% I'll be real about it oh my gosh the, the, I left a job without having a job to go to and even that journey I'd probably say was four months of me having panic attacks on shift mm-hmm. I had graduated I had bills to pay I had the general peer pressure of you got a job straight out of uni you should be happy you should be grateful mm-hmm. not recognizing I was practically living at the hotel mm-hmm. because of the shifts oh and I'd have a panic attack go to my shift manager and say can I leave because I've just had a panic attack and I just I just need to be home and they say no you need to finish out your shift to 11 mm-hmm. that was actually the last straw for me I got mm-hmm. home and my dad was awake at the time and I told him and he was just like screw them hand in your notice he he was on my dad i'll get him on the episode one day but he was on crud he was he was just like (laughs) just send them a text i was like i can't do that dad i need to go in and hand it i mean first job out of uni i ain't trying to you know build that reputation what can we say in it but my dad was on this nah nah mate um and I've, I've discussed my dad on the podcast before. He works for himself so as well. That gives him... That's why that is his default mindset. Because he's yeah. like, nah. Keep it nah. moving. Nah. Keep it moving. Create your own thing. But you know what? The <laughs> fact that you did leave after four months, I feel... See, this is where a lot of the damage comes in. You left mm. after four months. Imagine you'd endured that for a whole year. By the end mm. of that year, your self-worth probably would have lowered. Your confidence would have lowered. Your... Oh, yeah even perception of what you deserve in terms of rest you know all of it it did did all of it a hundred percent all of it and to make it worse I had I joined on a graduate scheme Mm. so not only did I have the peer pressure of the people I graduated with I had the peer pressure of meeting up with those grads every quarter and hearing how wonderful their experiences and rotations were going Mm. and me just either not saying anything or pretending that mine was fine yeah and then there's that element of also this is not fair (laughs) like luck of the draw if I had been placed somewhere else if I was in a different function would I be able to and you know you start to question maybe I'm not strong enough for this maybe thankfully by the time that I left I was just like this is a non-negotiable for me because at that point I had worked out my anxiety enough to know that my happiness when I'm unhappy I'm more prone to have a panic attack any time of day any place like my panic attacks don't business when they show up so for me I was just like I don't know what it's gonna be but it's just not this because it's actively making me unhappy now and I didn't study for all these years and pay all this big money to do this again I did what I did later on in my career which is you look up you look around you and you go oh okay so you're the director of such and such 
and you have a beautiful house over yonder that you told me you haven't seen in three months. Are you kidding me? Nah, if that's what's at the top of this tree, I need to choose another tree. Peace out, A-Town. But again, it was that I had to pull on moments in my life where I had put myself first in a similar way and it had worked out okay to be able to then take that step. But it still left those questions of, well, maybe you're just not cut out for it. Like, maybe it's you, you know. you Default is to internalise. What did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? As opposed to realising, actually, no, that's pretty screwed up if you have a panic attack and they tell you to finish your shift. Hmm. Pretty, pretty screwed up, definitely. And I think this is this is the thing, you know, all of those different pressures. Even, you know, I can imagine the fact that you got a place on a grad scheme, which would have been super competitive mm. to start with. Even that Huge. alone, it's like, you've got a seat at the table. Are you really going to walk away from the table? But, you know, anything that that starts to impact on your sense of self, I think those are major red flags that people should never ignore. And as well, you know, the whole self-employment journey, we know the ups and downs, the emotional roller coaster, the extreme highs and lows at times. But you can have all of that in a nine to five. You might know you're starting at nine and finishing at five, but there can be so much that happens between those hours. And it's amazing how much a culture can shift by one person leaving or one person joining. And it can be for the better, it can be for the worse. But, you know, the idea of kind of defining yourself by your ability to endure... Mm. I can't think of the non-swear word. Rubbish. Let's go with rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's just not, not the way to go. And it's understanding that these things do affect you in the longer term. It might not be apparent immediately, but again, it's like that whole relationship thing. You know, if you're in a relationship with someone who cheats, for example, you are going to carry some of the hurt some of the pain from that beyond that relationship unless you do the work and it still might show up in certain ways and likewise if you have a workplace experience that is really you know whether you experience bullying or you know whatever the case might be lack of lack of empathy when you're having a panic attack all of that stuff definitely does have an impact yeah yeah, definitely does. And, you know, me, look, I only want to carry the baggage that I choose to carry. Let's put it that way. Um, so this is definitely something that we're, we're here for and we see in our work and, you know, we want to have these conversations about. So, of course, if any of this is um, touching a nerve for you, this isn't necessarily my trigger warning because if that was the case, I should have done it at the beginning. But I, I'm just here to say that this is something that we support folks with. This is something that we're both very open and transparent about in our own lives. And I don't want you to listen to this episode and think, oh my gosh, they are talking to me and not feel that you can reach out to us. You know, exactly like we said, mental health care, a space for healing is a privilege at the moment, the way that things are. We're both recording based in the UK. Our NHS is struggling, um, but we both are tapped into resources and spaces that are either pro bono, affordable, sponsored, whatever it is to get you the support and that you need, or at the very least, get you plugged into a community that can really start to help you build that esteem and give you that space as well. 
And just if anyone is listening to this, I'm thinking, gosh, this is heavy. You know, there is, we are both examples of there is life beyond it. And, you know, I I think it's so important to listen to those messages. Like I said, many points in my career, I was like, ah, I've had enough of this. I'm going to be a coach or I'm going to be a therapist. But in my case, for a long time, I just got a different job, different building, same rubbish. Mm. And again, you know, being trapped in that cycle of just, okay, I've moved on, but have I really moved on? Because this is feeling Mm. quite similar. But there is, when you listen, when you listen to those experiences, when you listen to even your passions, you know, I've been working with people on anger. And sometimes it's like, listen to your anger. Stop trying to push it down. Stop, you know, um, let's work on lashing out in these unhelpful ways. But what is this anger telling you? Maybe you're someone who has a real passion for fighting injustice. If you frame it in that way, what could you do with that? You know, the panic you're feeling when this um, manager enters the room, you know, that anxiety building in your body that isn't because you are deficient in some way there is something about the situation that is not working and the more you endure it the less you listen to yourself the more the more you are reinforce, reinforcing this message of I'm not worth more I can't do more I can't have more and yes it's challenging you know it's you don't just wake up one day and life changes overnight it is challenging but it's that whole question of if nothing changes between now and five years if nothing changes if you don't do something different where are you going to be and would you be happy to be in that place and you know there's there's so much we can do to to shift things to move forward and there's always always hope always yeah I think that brings me on to the thing that I want to ask you before we wrap because there's there's a tone between us as we share these stories and our experiences of us both being firm believers in making work work for you, making your career work for you. And I'd love to hear from you maybe um, one or two just nuggets of wisdom, be it from your own experience or from your work or just things to think about again, right? Going back to that transformation, that perspective shift that we we love inviting people into. You know, what would you say to folks around making work work for them? I think really taking a step back from it and actually looking at your life. What is the lifestyle you desire? Really tapping into what is success for me because if you spend too much time on social media, you know, in our industry, we should both have a best-selling book, free TED Talks, (laughs) we should be waking up at 5 a.m. every day. Um, And that's that's just 1% of what we should do, you know, what's regarded our industry. seven figures in the bank account and not work with any clients anymore, apparently. Jeez, this industry (laughs) is funny. Honestly, honestly, society will tell you what success means, but it's a deeply personal thing. Success for you might be going to work and leaving on time. Success for you might be, you know, being the chief exec, having the corner office, but being really clear on what success means for you in the wider sense, not just about your job, so that you can then treat your job as a vehicle to create that. So going with the, you know, leaving work, you know, let's say working seven hours a day if if work-life balance is your highest value right now really identifying that and then reverse engineering it because otherwise what you find is you're just kind of 
you're not driving the car, the car's driving you and the car's going to take you where it wants to go. And it's that whole thing as well about owning your narrative. If you don't decide who you are, make it known who you are, people will tell you who you are, you will get pulled in so many different directions. So really connecting with what's important to you. Doing a values exercise, um, I can happy to share one, you know, really connecting with what are your values. If you're someone who deeply values humanitarianism, but you are in a company that stands for anything other than that, you are going to feel a lot of friction. So making making work fit into your lifestyle, understanding what it is you want from life so that you can then build your work around that. Because sometimes we have periods where it is, I'm just going to grind. I'm just going to get my head down. I'm just going to focus. I'm going to climb the ladder. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe that's not where you are. But doing things that align with you, not because someone thinks you should or because this is what people from your particular peer group are doing, really connecting with what's important to you. Always think it's better to make your own mistakes than to follow someone's path, someone else's path and mm. live out their mistakes. Mm. Yeah. Is that, is it me, I'm trying to learn from other people's mistakes so that I don't have to learn from me doing them, if that makes sense. Um, it's a huge way of, of us learning and just being cognizant of, of that. There's nothing new under the sun. So there's always, and I, I say that again to to bring a bright note, to kind of say you're never alone in that particular struggle because there's somebody who's walked the path before you and it's always our hope that there's somebody who will be willing to share from you know the other end of that tunnel the other end of that path to be able to support you in your own because we gain nothing by being closed off to that and not being generous in those ways Mm, definitely and there is so much power in community as well like you say there's hearing other people's experiences knowing that you're not alone because there's very little in life you can experience that someone Mm. is not experiencing right now or hasn't recently experienced you know it's amazing when you sit down and talk to people even like the experience of working with clients there's times where I'm like what this is such (laughs) a specific thing you're sharing and I have gone through the exact Exact same same thing. thing Yeah, so so often we think we're alone in certain things, whereas actually, you know, there's there's always someone out there that's that's gone through it, that survived it, that's soared, thrived regardless. So yeah, hundred percent. Oh, so much, so many juicy things. Um, we're gonna make sure that if there are resources, if what we touched on really. Um, is close to home for you um check the show notes because the blog that goes along with this episode we're going to link in some resources um naturally going to link in all things yasmina as well because we're we're here to support and have these conversations but before we go where can folks connect with you and and you know follow your journey and everything like that yeah, I am on LinkedIn, so mm-hmm. I won't spell out my name, see it in the show notes, but I'm on LinkedIn under, under Yasmina Headley, I'm on Instagram, Transform with Yasmina, and there's my website, people are welcome to reach out if there's anything I've touched on that kind of resonates. Yeah, I think those are the key ways. I might have a YouTube channel at some point in the future, but Ooh. no promises. <laughs> Oh, you have to follow on LinkedIn or IG to find out if that happens. 
but thank you so much for just joining me today having this conversation being so transparent i i've absolutely loved it and hope it helps our listeners thank you thank you for having me what an episode want to continue the conversation Join the Limitless Letter to get weekly resources for your high achieving career in a place where we all get what it means to embrace ambition and declare your desires. Go to justjazz.co forward slash join and I'll see you there.